I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Alright, welcome back to Brooko Mode for episode 26. I'm joined by Braden Ainsworth, the special guest today, and Harry Quayle. Am I the special guest too? No. <laughs> Not you, buddy. All right, so Braden, 15 games for West Coast Eagles on the list for four to five years. You've now gone into the mental health field. You're a mental health performance coach. So my first question, we'll get into some of your footy first and then we'll delve into the mental health stuff. So you grew up in Esperance and then you come up to play footy what was that experience like yeah it's big like big change in terms of I think my first session like I walked in straight away and you just could tell the environment like the difference like I walk in and there's just I guess blokes there that were like stretching rolling like doing touch I roll in like I think training started like 5 30 man I rolled in at probably five and there was like I was like last one there so like the first thing I noticed already was the standards was a big thing but the difference I guess is probably there's so much you can dive into in terms of like how it trains the operations of a footy club especially one like Subiaco which I was lucky enough to be part of for that first year but I normally would get to the local like in the country and you'd get in there you'd do a warm-up lap and you get straight into training. You do a couple stretches where here it's you do a 15-minute warm-up. You got to do all this stuff before. You do all the your craft work or your skill work. And then like after training, you're doing the same thing. And I think that was probably the biggest shock to the system. I'd heard about it, but I was like, nah, it won't be that intense. So that was probably the biggest difference that I, I noticed straight away from moving up to playing yeah at Subi. Did you come from... Aspirant to go into Subi Colts or straight into seniors? So I went straight into... So it was actually, man, it's a funny was story. Old, was it? Yeah, 18, yeah. So I went. I actually went to Perth for... Trained at Perth for three weeks with the Colts because of... It's a long story, but the development dude at the time thought I was no good at Subi, so he's an hard, don't want you. And then ended up, long story short, got back to Subi and, yeah, trained with the seniors under Scoey there. And, yeah, that was like... I guess for me it wasn't too bad because I played with 
seniors since banning the country. But yeah, straight into the senior program, into that, and then played the first two games of Rosies, couldn't get a kick and got dropped back to the Colts. So, yeah, and then played yeah, six or seven games there and went back half after. Yeah, and then got picked up out of league. So did you play back in the league or nah, back was this the first year and then you had another year? No, nah, so I just played the one year, played yeah. Colts and then Rezzy's the back end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, Scully never gave, gave me a game, but that's all right, the big chief. <laughs> <laughs> when you got picked up and you went onto the West Coast list, was there a sort of turning point where you feel like you belonged at, at the level? Or was it always like a constant thing where you were not sure if you were good enough? Never thought I belonged and never thought I was good enough. Constantly thought I'll never be good enough. Constantly thought I'm not skillful enough. And I think that's a bit of perfectionism in probably a lot of people and a lot of athletes. But for me, it was really high and I never thought that I my skills were good enough, my knowledge was good enough, my recovery was good enough, my sleep, my diet, like my whole athlete mindset I never thought was goodness I never thought I belonged which is really hard and I'm a little bit when I was in the system I still am now I'm very I'm a bit of an intro I like doing my own things and I like routine and structure and trying to get the best out of myself and at times I probably over overdid that so I also never thought I belonged with some of the actions and some of the things I did that makes sense in the moment like in the moment while you're on the list looking back so you say you you now you're looking back saying you weren't good enough, you didn't feel like you belonged. In the moment, did you feel like you were doing all you could to get the best out of yourself? Or was it now that you're filled with more wisdom and knowledge that you look back and you're like, yeah, I definitely wasn't doing enough? Or, you know what I mean? Is it because you know more now that you know you weren't good enough? Or in the moment where you like trying the best to get out to get the best out of yourself, if that makes sense? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. So I feel I did... So it's a weird way that I can how I describe it because I did a lot like and I'm I'm not just saying that like I I felt like I put my heart and soul into everything for football. My whole four years there was all about trying to be the best I could, but I feel like I tipped the bucket over and was doing too much. So didn't have time away to let my body recover didn't have something to take my mind off football, so my mind was constantly racing about football. Sitting here for an hour, I'd be like moving, stretching, like can't let my hips get tight, like all these sort of thoughts and like cardio sessions, swimming sessions, extra touch sessions, extra weight sessions, all these sort of things. But I don't know if I did it with a – looking back now, I could have done it with so much more of an intention mindset where I was just like, no, i just got to do more touch. Or I gotta do a swimming session, or I gotta watch more vision. It's like, what vision are you actually watching? Yeah, yeah. What are you trying to get better at? Are you doing this swim just the point of it, or are you actually doing it for a recovery or a cardio session, or are you just doing it? I think looking back now, I guess it's like a NBA player goes can shoot a thousand shots, but are you actually shooting them shots in a game? Put yourself in game day environments to shoot those shots. It's, for me, it was: Am I doing these kicks in a game? These handballs in a game? Am I going into the gym just to lift weights or am I going in for the performance aspect? So when I look back now, I feel like each session I could have done it with more intent and more structure and more focus. But yeah, yeah, no, that's a good, good response. I, I know what you mean in terms of the whole thing. You were just sort of filling time to 
almost fool yourself that you're doing the right thing by doing something, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Rather than just actually having a structured vision and direction of what you want to do. Yeah, which I think is so important now. With this overthinking stuff when you were playing at West Coast, did you think that was normal? And did you talk to other teammates about what was going on in your head to learn from them? Or because you, you said you're naturally introverted, did you try and do it all yourself? Bit of both. There was a couple of people like that I would talk to about it at the footy club and that knew me pretty well and so I was comfortable. But some people just had it like you just felt like they had it figured out. Like One of the great examples is probably like Shannon Hearn who's just retired and he just... You just look at that bloke and he just... And same with Josh Kennedy. They knew when I talk about your purpose and your clarity of why you're there, why you're doing that certain thing, like them two were just the best at it. And like they never seemed to overthink things. They seemed to have so much clarity. And I tried to talk to them about it and get their aspects of it. But then I'm like, at my age, they would have been doing the same thing that I'm doing. They would have been trying to get the best out of themselves, working hard. So then I just kept like overthinking, oh, should I be like that? Should I be doing this? Am I comparing myself? So I felt, I guess, it was just the constant overthinking and then I'd start to overthink like, am I doing too much? Are they doing too little? Like it was just so hard and you just didn't know where everyone else sat because in the end it's a cutthroat environment and you're versing each other for once for your spot. So... I didn't want to really share too much of what I was going through because what happens if I share it with this person then shares it with the leadership group, then they talk and the leadership group tells the coach and then all of a sudden yeah. like they're thinking that I'm overthinking, that I'm worrying about this and I'm comparing. So that's overthinking already in itself. Yeah, the overthinking was a hard thing for me to deal with internally at the club, but externally I had some people I could talk to as well. Did you feel that sort of unspoken tension and almost competition within the group. Obviously, guys on the similar positions, skill levels, etc., age, whatever. Because it is like you said, you're not only competing against each other for a spot, but it's like for your career, for your finances. You literally like versing each other, and it's you're a team, you're a squad. But did you feel that sort of was it present the unspoken competition, unspoken tension, or is it something that you do joke about? And towards the end, so I think probably. Like, first year I was lucky. Like, we walked in and we won the flag in 2018. So, when I walked in to the club, it was all about getting better and helping. Like, I've never had so much support from, especially Luke Shuey, Andrew Gaff, Elliot Yo, like these elite midfielders. And then you get the blokes like, like that was myself, there was Oscar, there was... Jared Brander, Jack Petricelli, and we were getting so much advice from all the older blokes. It was incredible. And we were like, didn't expect that. Because you get all told all these stories that no one talks to you. They don't give you anything. But then when you go in and you actually are invited and they're taking you out, like having chats with you. And like the first two weeks, like, I know it's not a big thing, but like we all went for lunch, man. You don't pay for anything. They literally do everything. They talk to you. They drive you. They like... Oh, I want to come around for dinner. What are you doing on the weekend? It was awesome. And I was like, this, what's, this isn't going to... What is people's perception of the AFL system? Like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. It's the best thing. And you win and everything's going well, but it's on the opposite. When you're not, when the club's not in a good spot and you're losing and you're getting hounded from the media and then inside the club, in the four walls, like people are 
saying different things, you're hearing different things, and that's when it's like, okay, like we're losing. I want to get a game, and that's when it became a bit more. That's when you notice it a bit yeah. more, and the cracks are formed. Yeah, yeah, and then like little spot fires or little whispers around the club. Oh, I should be playing over him, or I should be playing over this person, and but that sort of only came like when it, when things were going bad. Yeah, yeah. when things yeah. were going bad, and that was towards my yeah last year at the club really, in the like year and a half where we started to lose and that. But other than that, man, the start was amazing and the culture was wicked across the whole board. But as soon as you're on the training track, everyone wants everyone to get better pretty much. So. That's the main thing. It's when you're in that dull spot that sometimes it's, oh, I'm out of contract. I should be playing over him or I need a play. So, like, maybe I... Yeah, but I never felt it was too extreme or anything like that, which which is awesome, and I guess that's a credit to the boys. Yeah, no, that's good. Actually, on that, what are you? What about you boys playing, like, high-level Amos footy? Is it the same or is it like you come in and it's... No, I want to be playing league, not resi, so I don't want to help these young blokes coming like, in. Yeah, I feel like footy clubs are all have that similar structure where it is even on the lower level amateurs where some people are there to play in their lower grades, some people are there to strive for the higher grades, but there's always like the talk of I'm better than him, I should be playing or blaming the coaches or blaming the selection, whatever it may be. I don't know if you have anything else to add. Yeah, it's going to go across any sport, yeah. anywhere. It's just... The industry as well. It's sort of, yeah, it's just human nature, but... With footy, it definitely is a huge thing. I think just with the ego and the masculinity side of things, with blokes, and it's really interesting. You talk about a lot of things, like yeah, there was a big emphasis on like comparison and comparing to other people. And I guess I've been into this space now, and what I've really learned is how draining that is to be so externally focused. I'm interested in with you, like what you've learnt now, what you could have told yourself to get more out of your experience and was that something you were conscious of at the time that you could get into a better headspace or were you so in the moment that it was so overwhelming to be in the AFL world that you weren't really thinking of these things? Definitely wasn't thinking about it. I always thought that my happiness, my joy, my love came from external validation and that drove like some bad mental thoughts, some bad judgments on myself, like all those sort of things. And it wasn't until I literally got delisted, took a step back, that I actually asked myself like, who am I? And I couldn't identify it as anything other than an AFL footballer due to the fact that all everything was tied up to that job. Right? It was like my happiness, my joy, my love, my purpose – was all around one thing and it was all about external noise really and inside I couldn't find that happiness the joy the passion like that burning desire for happiness had to come from someone else and it had to be I guess someone saying great job or pat me on the back I couldn't find that within myself and that is what really hit me when I realized and I was lucky enough to step into my field of work now where I started to learn more about that, which really helped me that the happiness is from inside and that's where you got to get it. You can't expect someone to pat you on the back or give you all these compliments and that's how you get it, which I wish I knew in the four years because I wanted Simo to tell me I played a good game or 
I wanted my development coach to say that I've been working really hard and I'm going really well. Or the boys to notice, oh, you're putting in the hard work or you played well on the weekend, like these sort of things. And because I never thought I played a good enough game. And that's what most athletes and professional sportsmen do. But perfectionist as a whole. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yeah, so I never thought that I was, I guess, I never had happiness within myself. I was always comparing and getting it from other people and seeking the outside validation, not the internal. If that answers your question. Yeah, definitely. Do you hold any regrets at all? Nah, no no regrets in terms of giving it everything and having fun. The that is the biggest one is having fun and enjoying the ride, man. Like at times I got too caught up in like I used to man, I used to watch like Kobe Bryant videos, LeBron James videos, Tom Brady videos. And these blokes are just like working 24-7. They're not sleeping. They're doing this. They're doing that. But I am guarantee you they enjoy the ride, man. And that's the one thing that I wish I did more. And it's not a regret because and I put hours and time and effort into it. But just enjoy it a little bit more is something I do wish that I did. And foster the relationships a bit more um, and dive into them and not just have, like literally what we're doing now, have these conversations, not the surface level. Oh, and it's all about footy too. Like I want to have those deep life. I wish I did that sort of stuff. But yeah, back to what you were saying, I guess I just don't really know how to explain. Like it's probably more just like the comparison. Eh? If you can, if I knew now what I knew if I knew, yeah, if I knew what I know now back then, yeah, I think I would have been able to have a lot more fun, enjoyment in life and in football and rocking up. And I guess it's the common saying is, what were you like when you played under 12s? You just loved going, you loved hanging out with your friends. And I tried to remind myself of that, but it wasn't probably until 2020 when I actually had my best season was because... The bump, the ups and downs, I used to ride so hard, like you were saying, and you'd think, like, you make a mistake, and I'd stew on that, man, for 10 minutes, and 10 minutes of a quarter goes by, and you know where you're not even present in the game. And it wasn't until 2020 where I was lucky that my mentor became Adrian Hickmont, and he changed, he was he was all about connections, all about love and passion and purpose and presence, and as soon as I dove into that, with him it was all about becoming the person I wanted to become and riding the waves and he had this balance graph he did everything on a graph man and it was just basically sitting because you're not going to sit at a 10 because you sit at a 10 you're going to basically think that you're the best you got this high ego that nothing can tear you down but then after a game you don't want to be I was that bad you're at a one right because it's pretty hard you don't want to just play up here and then down here and then up here because it's emotional roller coaster. so you just want to be able to balance your emotions and he said if you can sit at a roughly a seven or an eight and just sit in that wave and know when you dip down and know when you've gone up but be able to bring yourself back and that really helped me because like I could reflect with him like all right yeah I played good what did I do good all right I did this good but I could have improved on this so you might go up for a bit this like, right, I needed to improve on my cover my decisions so you just stay in that balanced wave and it wasn't until I started to realize that with him and talk with him about it that I was like okay I don't need to just feel like I want to jump off like into the water and just disappear or I'm like oh I just want to 
be able to just stay in that flow and just stay with understanding that, yeah, I stuffed up or, yes, I played really good, but it only lasts for so long. You've got to move on to the next week. You can't even prove or you need to stay consistent. Yeah. If you got something related, you go, otherwise I had something else. So you talk about like enjoying footy as you do as an under-12 and enjoying the ride and foster relationships. Obviously, you don't play footy anymore. What's changed for you? So is there any part of you that doesn't just want to go to a footy club, whether it's high level or not high level, and speak of those things which you were just discussing in terms of building the relationships, enjoying it like you were as a kid? What's changed in that aspect for you? In terms of playing, I don't know if I will next year or in the next couple of years, but I would love to, that's where I want to get to, man, is being able to go to, if it's sporting clubs, if it's football clubs, talking with athletes about that side and the actual person they are and building that connection, especially within a team. Because like you said, like we talked about earlier, it's you come in and it's, I want to, for me, if I could just if you make someone feel comfortable, happy to share things, be comfortable in that situation, then it's going to foster and you're going to get better anyway. But that's where I want to dive in. If I can help, I can coach, hands-on. But if that looks like a coaching role, if that looks like a mentoring role, if that looks like a just rock up once a week and help in any way, if it's mentally, physically, on the track with some skills, with the leadership group, whatever it could be. Like, I'm only, what, 24, 25, so, you know, I can't go in. Nothing part of you as that wants to be that 16-year-old Braden who just plays footy for the fun of it? Yeah, not, but not an elite. Sorry, I thought we were talking. Yeah, just if I was to play, I don't know if I would. Man, like, I respect waffle players. Like, what they, you work all day yeah, and then you train. Like, that sort of stuff, but... For me, it would be just going and playing local with some mates. If it's for, I don't want to say North Beach or something, that's where we are. But <laughs> yes, you're in North Beach, yeah. yeah. So there's North Beach or if it's, it's pretty funny, my GM at work, I think he plays fourth or fifth for Wesley Curtin and his mate come down. And I was like, they play 20-minute quarters, that's it, straight 20s. You're done by, what, two, two and a half hours. As the game's over, you go home and you have fun. Like you'd have fifty, <laughs> but I probably wouldn't get a kick. I wouldn't know where to run, and but that sounds fun to me. Whereas going to waffle, training like crazy. That's what I want to see then twenty twenty four. I want to see uh, play footy for the fun of it. Yeah, so like, it's what you love. It's what you've always loved. It shouldn't have to be like you as a person. It's even that you've moved past the professionalism side of a football club. I want to see you and you should want to see yourself just play for the fun of it. So that's what I, yeah, that's the plan. And that's the way I'd want to do it is just go out, have fun. And with mates, I was close to going back home, but this year I just wanted to play back home. But this year I just wanted to dive into work and I guess develop in that area. And that's been awesome. And But I have missed the, it's always been on my mind. Oh, do I just go and play a game with mates and just enjoy it? And it's a bit more flexibility too, right? Like I can't make training on a Tuesday. It's not, I'll feel like crazy bad. Because I still do my own training and stuff like that. But it's not like when you're at a waffle club, if you miss training, it's like you got to have a good reason. Whereas like, call the coach, boys, I can't make it tonight. I've got this work event on. Yeah, that would be, that'd be sick. And maybe we can somehow yeah. tee up and play together. 
I had a question before. Obviously, when you're in your waffle, sorry, AFL experience, you were comparing a lot upwards. Like you were looking at Shannon Hearn, Josh Kennedy, all those like established players, and you said that you were really external, looking for that sort of validation. But do you feel like when you weren't in that AFL environment and you're hanging around with people who were playing or like mates or anyone you're walking around, did you, when you started comparing downwards to like the normal people, did you ever feel really good that you were playing AFL and let the whole playing AFL ego side of it get to you, even though a lot of the time you were introverted and overthinking things at the AFL level? As soon as you exited that, was it like you felt really like sense of pride to play AFL? Definitely, I was definitely proud and definitely, it was definitely like, you feel good like to be, I guess, recognised, but I was never, I hated that identity because I'd seen, I was pretty lucky, man, I had a host family and this is probably going to be a weird story, but I had a host family which was just up the road and Jerry McGovern was in there when he first started as well with the same family. So my first like year, he used to come around for dinners and stuff with the family, with Maddie and the kids and stuff. And like I would just talk to him. And then, but I actually started to talk to Maddie a lot. And what she would describe as how unnormal they are. Like they can't go for dinner, man. They can't go grab a coffee without getting noticed. And it was all about Jeremy McGovern, the footballer, AFL footballer, Maddie, the wife of AFL footballer, Jeremy McGovern. And then when you start to get introduced, like, it's only now, man, that I've it's gone away. It's Braden names of the ex AFL footballer, these sort of things. And but during that time when I was away from the club, I had my close mates and they never really talked about football, which is the best thing. So I could step away and actually feel normal. Where whenever I was at the club or you're hanging out with boys from the club, you always felt like, depending on who you were with, that you're always just an IFL footballer where I never let it get to me because I never felt that I was classified as an AFL footballer because I was like, I haven't played 100 games, I haven't won a premiership, I haven't done all these things. So that's how I judged a successful AFL player, if that makes sense. So I never thought I was like that. And the only time I guess I felt I might have let it get to me at times is like when you put it, above anything else or everyone else so like i was like nah i can't come to this because i've got footy tomorrow or i can't see you today because i've got training like it might be a mate's 21st on a sunday or friday night and i'm like i can't come because i got football tomorrow and so oh, you used to, you normally would come something because you're playing afl now and that's probably the only time i'm like am i actually letting it get to me or am i doing this for me if that makes sense yeah so did you have to make those sort of sacrifices to play, but do you feel like that sort of took away from your balance then? Definitely took away balance, 100%. Like, I would not do things or not see people or not catch up with people if it didn't work within my structure or my thinking of, i got to do this for football. If it didn't fit in with my football schedule, then there was no way that I would let it get in, which, yeah, I couldn't get that balance at all which is so key now and you see so many people if it's business if it's life it's having that balance but it's not having the balance of yeah you gotta have work-life balance but it's actually knowing like what your balance is and how much you need 
because some people I think can take it the other way and be like, no, nah, I'm actually working really hard, so I need to have some time off. Where it's, are you actually working hard? Or is that just your like, delusion of where you're actually at in life? And I think that's really important to understand. And it's the same with like, your stress. Like I, I always compare it back to, I'm going off road here, but like your stress, like people are like, I want us to live a stress-free life. If you live a stress-free life, are you really improving, getting better? Because if you're not, like I'm, for you with the business, like if you're just cruising and you're not stressful, it's like we're doing everything I can. Yeah. yeah. yeah so you, it's that delusion of, oh, no, nah, I'm so stressed out, but it's, are you actually stressed out? What's your delusion? And it's the same with, it was the same thing with like when I was in footy. But yeah, I definitely let it take my whole life. And that was the biggest thing when I left was like, mate, if you get back on a list, find what your balance is and understand it, like still work hard, still do this, still do that. But when you're away from the club, actually dive into something else. Uh, mean, yeah, me and Egan spoke about that. On, I think we've probably spoken on the last two pods. It's, like, it's such a key, whatever it is you're doing, it might be in relationships, it might be in business, it might be in work, and in your case, sport. But for you, that was work, it was business. But it's like when you take on a new commitment, when you take on a new role, whatever it is, don't strip away the things that made you happy to begin with or that sort of filled your cup up because it's like if you're sacrificing all the things that got you to where you are as a person and made you the most happy, um, it might be your routines, it might be the small things like catching up with your mates or whatever it is, the human connection is so important. And if you're stripping away all those things as at sacrifice for your new venture or your new relationship or your new business, then it's just going to take a dent on you in the long run. And I touched on this because it, it was how where, the crossroads that I got at that I was making too many sacrifices for my business and it was stripping back for that and really just finding out and prioritising those things that made you happy to begin with. I love how you just touched on human connection. That was the biggest thing that I lost. Didn't, like, I had my real, like, my best mates that I've always grown up with, those three or four boys that we still catch up all the time and I still did with them when they were in, in town or in Perth. I wouldn't go and see people. I wouldn't, meeting, meeting new people, relationships from family friends partners whatever that might be suffered because i was they were the biggest thing that suffered for me due to the fact that i was putting football first and if you your schedule or me seeing you like going to the movies say you for a date for example you might have a date and you go on the movies and it's a sunday grab dinner go to the movies i'm not getting home till 10 30 11 o'clock and that's going to impact my training session on Monday. Nah, can't make it. Like, Or the, even the boys are like, oh, we're going for dinner on a Sunday night. Nah, I've got training. Or it's main training's Thursday. Nah, I can't do anything on a Wednesday night because what if I have a bad sleep? Then I can't do that. Could be like, oh, boys, can we just go half an hour earlier? Like, what's the difference between half an hour? Can we just... Or I was just... That was the biggest thing that killed me. And looking back now, like, if I could have still... <laughs> Had the relationships and the balance in that, I would have been a lot happier, I think. But how do you get it right? Because some of the sacrifices are fair and you do have to make them. So it's like, you don't. it's not about being extreme two ways, but do you think you would have a way now of approaching it where you would still prioritise these relationships, but it wouldn't be, you would still be putting a proper focus on your sleep, your eating, but you would it wouldn't take away from the connection side? 
yeah, like I think I'd definitely have much better process and direction and clarity on that area and how I can still get the best out of myself but then also still develop those relationships and still connect with the people I want to because like you mentioned, like human connection is so important. And if you've got that, and it's not human connection with 20, 50 people, it's the close people, like that five group you hang out with, that's at work, that's your relationships, that's your footy club, like whatever it might be, is really fostering them. And I wish I'd, I did that better because I wouldn't say I burnt people, but I wouldn't, I'd get close to people and then all of a sudden I'd just filter out because I was like, I'm going to have to keep hanging out with this person too much or things like that. And there is a great example on that with one person. But yeah, it's just, I wish that that I did a lot better. And yeah, I know my sleep's important. My recovery is important. But there's still times where you're away from the club where you can really start to use that time. If it's instead of playing PlayStation or sitting on the couch watching a Netflix TV show, it can be just like going and catching up for a coffee or a walk or whatever it might be, but using your time wisely in when you're away from the club to build those connections, I think. Yeah. You talked a bit about the surface-level conversations and you wish you had more of these deeper chats, but what does vulnerability look like to you then? Vulnerability to me, and I, it's probably off... It's like I think it's Renee Brown that talks about it, but it's the courage, right? It's courage to speak about what you're going through, being able to share your emotions, being able to share your feelings, but it's the courage to actually accept them and be honest with yourself. Because for me, if I'm not honest with you, then can we really get deep? Can we really be vulnerable? Like I could make up all these things and share experiences that might not have happened or might have might not have actually been that deep but it's the courage to actually be authentic in your vulnerability i feel because yeah there's been times where look we all make white lies or little lies and things like that but for me my true vulnerability is being courageous enough to be authentic in the way that i talk the way that i speak the way that i show up and the way that i actually experience and accept the emotions I'm going through and I think that's probably what it means to me. Do you think that's allowed you to be more present? Because I feel like a lot of the time you were talking about you made a mistake then 10 minutes later you're like, oh fuck, I didn't even, I just lost 10 minutes of the game. You're not focused. Do you think it's being vulnerable and being able to, like you said, accept your emotions allows you just to bounce back from adversity quicker and because you're able to accept it, do you reckon it's helped you stay present with everyday life? Yeah, definitely. And a great a great example actually was I caught up with my mum during the week and man, like I was I had a pretty shocking sleep, pretty frazzled and I was just like, you know when your mind's just going everywhere? I was thinking about all these things and it was probably five minutes in and I just seen mum look at me like a bit strange and I was like, I just really like real quickly checked in with myself. I'm like, took a breath and I was like <sighs> and she's like, she looked at me strange and I was like present in my head and I was like and that and I just it literally switched everything like I know it was one breath but I think Tony Robbins talks about you got to move your body to move your state and your energy and that quick breath just gave me back to the present and it was like it was probably 10 minutes before that I didn't notice I wasn't there my head was everywhere I wouldn't even know what she said but then for the next half an hour I was like fully locked in and 
if I wasn't aware of my mind going everywhere, my emotions, my energy, then yeah, like I've gone through conversations. Like you know, when you meet the biggest ones, when you meet someone, and you're like, because you, are you really present? Because you remember their name, and like I go, that's the worst one that kills me, and that's the one I reflect on the most is, oh, what's that person's name? Can't remember. Or you literally have a conversation with them, and then you walk away, and then it's, oh, what was his name? And that happened to me at the gym on Wednesday. This bloke came up to me, we was having a chat. And he goes, oh, by the way, my name, I can't say it because I can't remember his name. And that, and that, we talked and I left and I was like, man, he, oh, what was his name? Just made me feel good. And I couldn't remember. And like, I was like, I wasn't present in that moment. That's what gets me now. Whereas I can reflect and be present and be here with you guys right now. That's so important to me. And it's probably because I was never there. I was always thinking into the future do you do much with self-compassion and what was that like being kind to yourself when you were playing afl because i think that links with vulnerability like being able to be honest with yourself but also being as harry talked about being like your own best friend at times what was that sort of like self-talk like during your whole afl experience i had some very negative self-talk and it was literally just off the back of what we've talked about is comparison external validation never thinking you're good enough, like all these sort of things. And my self-talk was not good at all, which I reflect back now and you just think that's natural. You just think that everyone has that self-talk and no one actually shows themselves self-compassion and self-love and what even is that. And it wasn't, I actually probably never even knew what self-love and self-compassion was until diving into the work that we're all getting involved in now. And now I do it and everyone's different what they do. But I think it's so important to actually give you that yourself, the recognition and that internal validation of the love, the compassion, the empathy towards yourself. And it's something that I'm still getting better at and slowly developing. But it's definitely something I try to do yeah, daily. I try to like I write in a journal every night. And in that, it's what did I, a positive experience, what was the growth area, what are my intentions for tomorrow, all these sort of things. But then... I always finish it off with what am I grateful for that I did for myself today or things like that because it's then it's oh I'm really grateful that I went on the podcast with the boys today because for me that was building deeper connection deeper relationships and that for me is self-compassion so I guess it's finding out what your self-compassion is and trying it and not labeling it that's all it is that's what it is for me it's maybe trying new things or I like sitting in solitude that's big for me going for a walk in the morning, meditating and just sitting by myself and that's my also. Did you find it hard to grow and actually improve as an AFL footballer because you were too caught up in the the emotional side of it and you weren't willing to be vulnerable that you weren't perfect and there's so many things you can improve on and you're riding the highs and the lows. Did you think that took away from your sort of growth mindset? Yeah, definitely. Like I felt like... I had a growth mindset in terms of wanting to get better, but I also feel like I had a fixed mindset of this is what I have to do to get better, if that makes sense, where there could have been so many opportunities where what if I did take a step back or what if I did hang out with these people or what if I did this and did that instead and I wasn't so fixated on my idea and my thought on what it took to get to where I wanted to get to. Maybe if I had actually talked to other people, being vulnerable and look like, look, am I doing too much? 
should I be doing this? What do you actually think I need to work on properly? Like maybe if I asked those questions and was brave enough to actually be more vulnerable, I feel like that could have helped in that aspect of my growth mindset. Considering how important the mind is for sport, I'm surprised at the AFL level there's not more guidance on this thing, especially for young men coming into the system. Their whole identity is attached to AFL. How? Why was it? Is there not more emphasis on helping young men like discover their purpose and refining their sort of growth mindset? It's all like they. I don't know now. I've been out for what, nearly two years now, so it might be some clubs got it really well figured out, but. Some clubs are just still on the psychology. I'm not saying psychologists are they're amazing people, right? And every club's got one. But I was seeing a psychologist and I don't know, there might be some more people that out there like me, but I struggled to like right now, like how comfortable is this when there's we're not really looking at each other, we're not eyeballing each other, no one's taking notes, no one's you're not feeling like you're getting judged. We're literally just like talking and that's where I felt so much more comfortable that when I was at the psychologist, I couldn't actually... Because they're not being vulnerable with you. Exactly. So, like, how do I open up? And it wasn't until I actually dove into this work and I'm like, man, imagine, like, what I do now could be an AFL system. And then you hear about, look what Richmond did. Like, the Triple H situation, right? That's just 44 blokes, the coach and maybe the assistant coaches in a room, one bloke standing up there, sitting up there, whatever, just sharing his life, his hardship, his heroes, his highlights and being extremely vulnerable. Emma Murray, unbelievable, like, high-performance coach. All about that, but she's the, it's just a different take on it. And I think if you can implement more around that, especially the one to four years, which is where I'd love to get into, and it's my plan and passion is to do that, is to actually understand who you are as a person away from football. What do you like to do? What are your purposes? The main thing I love working on is values, man, and because I think values are just so important. And if you're lost direction, if you're lost in life, you're lost in purpose, values bring that back and values bring back your clarity and going back to those. And But how many people actually know what they are? Because I had no idea. Like through AFL, I knew what my football values were, but I didn't know my personal ones. And I think if we can tap into if, – if you can tap into knowing who you are as a person – away from the job or the identity that you're creating, it's like it could propel younger blokes, I think. You said you had to get delisted to experience this whole thing. I just don't believe that everyone needs to have like a trauma or a thing to grow. And that's the sort of thing you see all these people with success and then they like, oh, I, I had this trauma, it made me grow. But I feel like people don't reflect, I think, Trauma offers an opportunity to reflect and look within. What do you think of that? And do you think we just don't reflect enough? And we, me and Harry talk about this, like we're not vulnerable enough, we don't reflect enough, but what's your sort of take on that? I think that's a great point, man. Not like the best sort of examples, like you look now at the young blokes coming through, especially the AFL system that are being themselves. Like one that I, there's three that I like to reflect on is like Jack Higgins at Richmond. Like, my one of my best mates, Ben Miller's there, and he used to tell me, mate, this bloke is just like himself. Everything on TV, because I'd ask him, like, mate, is he just putting this on? Like, are the club just trying to, like, do this and get a bit of stuff? And he's like, nah, mate, this is generally the 
type of bloke he is. And his energy, he's himself. Like, you hear him on interviews. And then another one is Jack Kinnaman. Like, he doesn't care. He'll go, he'll celebrate, he'll laugh, he'll have fun, he'll muck around. Like, the GoPro stuff last year or whenever that was. And now, one that I love is, I don't know what trauma Kristen Petrarch has been through, but he probably, if he has, if he hasn't, but his off-field stuff, he's sharing, like, even that's a side of vulnerability, like, he's doing his cooking, he's doing his day in the lives, that's what you want to see, that sort of stuff, I think more, and I don't know if I've answered that question at all, but, like, these blokes are blokes that have been themselves, and I don't know if they've been through anything in their life, but they're vulnerable enough to actually be courageous to be themselves. You can't tell me that Kristen Matraka hasn't copped any slack from his teammates for doing that, but he doesn't care. Like, Jack Ewan's just copped it from media, but he still does it. But do you, think it's, he is. do you think it's hard, though, because Petrarca's a star of the competition. Do you think, like you, you were more like finding your feet, haven't played many games. Do you think that is what makes it so difficult to be yourself when you're not, like, from the external, like, one of the top players. Yeah, definitely. And it's definitely so hard. And But I also feel like it could come back to your confidence in yourself and your sense of yeah, self-worth, right? Yeah. It's your own worth that you've got. Are you confident in who you are? Are you confident in your own ability to be yourself? And a, another great example is I walked in with Hamish Prashaw. So I don't know if you guys know who he is, yeah. but mate, he from day dot was himself. And he is one of the funniest, loudest, energetic like blokes I've ever met. And I'm talking like hilarious and loud, but and I was like, who like the first couple of weeks I was like head down, bum up, not really talk, get stuck in, and this bloke's like being a larrikin and I'm like, is this guy putting this on or what's going on? And it's him, man. And from day dot to I've met him to now, it's just him. And that was because he had he knew who he was, he knew his confidence, he knew his self-esteem. And I think that's what it comes down to because you can't tell me that. Yeah, Nick Dacos, great footballer. But he knows that who he is. He knows the type of person he is. He knows he's putting in the hard work to be confident to go out and display that. Where I think as a young bloke coming in, you can't let all your confidence, all your self-esteem and everything get tied up to the job, to your performance. It's tying it back to, right, I am a good footballer. I'm here for a reason. They picked me up because I'm good. Let me go and perform. Let me go and be myself. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It's, it is hard, though, like, to come in and think that because there's so many blokes you've got to compete with as well and, it's the same as anyone going to a new footy club or you for yourself starting a new business or the podcast. Like, how many times have you thought, oh, my podcast isn't good enough or I'm not like Joe Rogan or I'm not like Dyer CEO or Jay Shetty or On Purpose or whatever it might be. So I'm never going to get to that switched height. Switched on. Hey? Or switched or on. Or switched on. Yeah, I was going to throw it in there. <laughs> but that's the same with us at Switched On with our podcast, man. We're like... Do we, I at the start was like, oh, like, do I try and get all these footy blokes on and try and pump, try and get all these views and likes? And I'm like, that's not what it's about. So I think for us, it's, yeah, we have some that get 20 listens. Like, that's not a lot. But then I also heard Chris Williamson say, I think he was doing his podcast for, this is a big gap. I don't know if it was like two or five years. And then all of a sudden, like for the last 18 months, it's just taken off. But before that, he was doing so many. 
but they weren't getting any traction. So I guess it's the same as a football environment. Like when you start out, or if it's whatever it might be, it's going to be hard. You're probably not going to have the confidence. If you keep putting in the time, the effort, the work, developing yourself and staying true to your brand, I think that's when you can show and shine. Unrelated but related. I feel like when young players come in, like you said, you had this perception that Hearn, all these blokes have it all figured out. But I feel like that's the problem in itself because these young blokes come in and they don't know how to be vulnerable because they've just got this idea that all these blokes have it figured out. And especially as AFL players, they have, they're these huge role models for all these young people across the country. And there's this perception that they're perfect. They've got this dream job, this dream life, but they still suffer from all these normal human emotions. But that's the problem in itself. And that's why there's so much value in the content side of what they're doing. And when they interview, because there's a lot of AFL players now going on podcasts and being vulnerable. And I think that's so important because it's, I listened to one with Stephen Cornelio on American Aces. That was a really good one. But it's just normalising at the high level because people look up to them sort of thing. Do you feel like that? Yeah, 100%. And I'm glad you touched on that with Steve Cornelio. I don't know if you've watched that doco. I can't remember what it's called. The, the one that was during COVID, filming all the clubs. Yeah. So we were actually, man, we were we had the same hotel as GWS. And so we were getting filmed. Well, Nick was getting filmed and Cogs was getting filmed. And then when you actually hear like about the stories and you watch that, and then I was lucky enough to be with his younger brother at Perth, Jacob, last year and talking to him about what he went through during that. Where everyone would think that, like he's the captain of the footy club. Yeah, like he's gone through all this stuff. Like everyone goes through challenges. And for him it was like, man, people were like trying to get rid of him. Like thinking that he shouldn't be there, shouldn't be the captain. And then it's even like at West Coast, it's like Hearn, Kennedy, Nick Natanui, this year, Luke Shuey. They're like, they're trying to keep their careers going. So they're trying to do what they need to do to then prolong their career. So they're having challenges with that. There comes family challenges. There comes like media, performance. Am I going to keep? Am I good enough to keep playing? So they're going through their own things as well. And that's like you say, like just because depends what season of life you're in your career, if it's football, whatever it might be. Everyone's got their own challenges, and it's just how well you can cope with them, how well you can deal with them. But. For someone that comes in, you do think they have it all figured out. And if you can start these conversations and start being a bit more vulnerable, it's, okay, JK's, like, actually really struggling with this and this. It might not be his footy. It might be his life stuff, right? Because his footy stuff might be all figured out, but it's actually he's playing with, like, really sore feet or (laughs) he might have a bung shoulder or, like, something like that. That's really weighing him down or that's why he's not performing that well, whatever it might be. So... Everyone goes through challenges and ups and downs and you've got to be aware of that and not put them on this pedestal. Yeah. Do you think now being like mental health performance coach and you go in to speak at these places, schools and like the business side of it, do you feel like there's an unspoken pressure to be like this guy who's got it all figured out now that you've come out from the AFL and you've discovered yourself? Do you feel any sort of pressure to be embody like what you're telling these people? Not externally, but internally. So internally, it's doing, what is it? Walk the walk, talk yeah. the talk, walk the, yeah. So it's like, whatever I'm talking about, I want to be doing. And I know. Practice what you're preaching. Yeah, and if I know that I'm not, that's when I feel like I'm 
not being myself. And when I go to schools, like, or corporate talking, like, I stuff up all the time, man. And I'm, like, I'm not perfect. I'm still learning so much. There is so much that I don't know in this space that I want to learn about. And I don't like to talk about things that I'm not aware of or that I haven't experienced as well. So, like, for me, talking about, I guess everyone's been a a leader or at some stage in their life. But for me, I don't know a lot about leadership. So, like, we've got a few things at work where it covers leadership and I got asked to do a presentation on it for some corporate for our work and I was like, no, I don't feel comfortable doing that because I don't know enough about leadership. I can't go and teach leadership because I don't know enough about it. And that's when a company or a school are expecting you to come in and talk about a certain topic they think that you, their expectation is what you're talking about and know you've been through it or experienced it or taught it or know enough about it. So that's what I touch on in my talks is things that I've been through, things that I actually know, and then I'll slowly hopefully get to develop more and then that, I guess, more development, more gigs you get, the more knowledge I can actually experience. But at the moment, I only like to touch on the things that I've been through the things that I've been in the arena and I love that saying like the man in the arena like someone can't judge me for going up and talking and I might stuff up like or I might go back on words or I might not be clear on what I'm saying but am I going to let someone that's in the crowd judge me for that or someone that can't get on in front and speak to people probably not it's that great saying is why do you let like it's why would I let the keyboard warrior tell me that I'm not a good speaker or I'm not a good footballer. So they're not in the AFL system right now. They're not up on stage talking or they're not going out to schools and giving talks. Or this podcast switched on. What even is it? It's crap. Or have you got your own podcast? Are you trying to do it? I think it's that sort of thing where it's touching on what you know and that's what I try and do. But internally it's always, am I good enough? Should I be still learning? Am I learning the right thing? Do I want to actually dive into that topic? But yeah, externally, it's actually not too bad from when you go to schools and things like that. We've spoken about it <clears throat> a few times already about purpose and whether it's experienced trauma or whether it's a change of path or whatever it may be to find that purpose. And obviously the way you speak and from what I know and all that, your AFL chapter or however you want to describe it's past you now and you've moved on to your new, your new passion in life and whether it's your new purpose and whether it's something you do forever, that's obviously another thing. But are you happy with where you're at? Are you happy with the person you are and like the directions you're taking? I'm happy with the direction I'm going in and the person I'm becoming. Where I'm at, like from my stage of life, look, I, if you asked me probably at the start of the year, I would have said no because I was always thinking I should be one step further or I should be doing this already. Like for me, a good run of work is like – my GM and my boss, unbelievable speakers, so knowledgeable and just can talk so well and get and just help and impact people's lives. But they're, they've been doing this for over 10 years, man. I've been doing this for 18 months and it's, I'm not – they got 10 more years on me. So for me, it's at the moment I've come back and it's probably two weeks ago where I really had to reflect on it. And it's, okay, I'm not happy with where I'm at but I'm happy with the direction I'm going, the person I'm becoming. The journey, yeah. The journey. And that's, what it's, and that's what it's been about for me is going back to the journey and the process and that's probably what brings me the happiness is I'm on that journey and on that path.
of developing and getting better in certain aspects of life. Yeah. There's certain aspects of my life that are really poor and I can acknowledge that and they're not very good. But yeah, I love what I'm doing, man. And I had to get delisted to figure out that's this is what I really want to do. But yeah, at the moment, I'm happy at the direction that I'm going. What was your like? What was your reasoning to take these strides to what you're doing? Is it more so the fact that you want to share a message and prevent pain or prevent something that you've gone through? Or is it, I don't know whether you want to take it away from there, but what was your exact your reason as to the direction you're going down? Like, is, it, is there a deeper depth to it or is it more just spreading a message on, on, on the surface? Definitely getting deeper, but deeper in the internal, knowing who you are, knowing who you want to be and chasing that person, not chasing what the external want you to be or what they perceive you to be or what they think you should be or where they think you should go and what you should do because that's what I got caught up in and if I can reflect back I don't know like it's a question I always ask myself is did I actually want to play AFL was that my dream or was that the people yeah or was that someone else's was it my brothers was it my dad's was it my coaches back home was it ever actually my dream and I always reflect on that question where I have reflected on things that bring me the most joy and things that bring me joy are helping other people and that's the biggest one for me is just helping others in their life because realistically it's a little bit selfish because it's like I think you touched on it man like helping others is I don't know if it, what podcast it was but I don't know if it was just a chat we had but it's like it brings you so much love, joy, compassion when you help someone else and make their day. And when I was feeling down or something and I did something for someone else, that's what always lifted me up. And I'm like, yes, so much love and like happiness and a big smile on your face when you do that. So why don't you do that? And you also, when you live by the person you are, is when you feel your most yourself. Mm. And that's the sort of message that I want to spread. And if I can do that, by the end of my life and yeah. that's hopefully but I, yeah I just want to keep diving into yeah. that you spoke on like your AFL like it, you weren't sure if it was your dream whether it was someone else's it's such like a it's prominent in all fields it's almost like when you're smart you do well at school it's almost like you're obliged to go to university your parents when you go to, mm. to school wants you to go and it's like when you're good at something you feel the pressure whether it's voice pressure or whether it's just that perceived pressure over your head that you have to pursue it and like you said, you don't know if it was your dream, you don't know if it's what you wanted to do, but you did it, you tried it, you learnt from it, and now you've found yourself from that. And it's like you were saying before, you don't hold regrets. There's, you did everything that you needed to do whilst you were there and everything that happened has shaped you to now where you are and allows you to chase your purpose and share your message. And you're touching as well the big thing of how you want to bring people up and there's nothing better than bringing people up. And I think that is the most fulfilling thing in life is rather than trying to lead people or trying to impress people, provide them something and provide something of value. And it's always like a two-way street where you do something good for them and it makes you feel even better. And I think that's the best form of human fulfillment, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Helping others get better. But I think happiness is like progression. Are you progressing in your life? Yeah, you might be working like, long 12-hour days but is that for you or is that for someone else what are you doing internally to progress get better 
but I love what you touch on the dream of yeah my dream like I said I don't know if it was mine or whatever but at some stage my dream was to play AFL football I played that and then it got taken away from me and like when I reflect it's like I heard a thing last week Dwayne I love The Rock and I love Dwayne Johnson <laughs> so his story is awesome right and he had I think it's what like $5.70 or something in his pocket 7 bucks or whatever and then goes back to his home because his NFL career didn't make it. But, like, he thought that was his dream. His dream didn't work out. Does that mean he's a failure? No, nah, because I don't know how it goes. And it was one of these videos that, like, a real. But then, you know, what you think your dream is and just because you don't achieve it or you might achieve it and then it gets taken away from you doesn't mean there's not something else there for you. And that was, like... Another thing, I was like, when I played AFL, that was my dream, but I didn't make it. Like, I'm dead set. Like, I've accepted now that, okay, I wasn't good enough to make it at that level, but what's my dream now? And where do I want to go? And what's my journey? What's my new direction? And I think that's probably, like, a pretty important thing to think about is you might have this big dream, but is it actually yours? And then just because you didn't reach something you're or you didn't failure. make something, you're not a failure. And there's so many learnings, there's so many like things you can take away from that and lessons to put into your new direction and your new path. Yeah, as long as you still breathe and you can move on to something new and continue to learn and grow because, yeah, like a new day, new journey, new beginnings. It's, people give up, like we talk about the rock thing and then the AFL journey. People have their dreams and then they fail and they see themselves as a failure and then that negative self-talk kicks in and it's, you lose all hope but it's like you're not a failure until like your life's not done there you know what I mean it just opens that new that new journey or that new opportunity yeah when there's it's saying like when there's breath in your lungs there's love in your heart so mate like if you still got if you're still breathing then you still got love to yeah. do whatever it is that you want to do so I think I'm interested in your take like there's a lot of sayings about this where like you were in the AFL, like, the top level, and you might have been the smallest fish in that pond, but you might go to an amateur club you, and you could absolutely dominate. And I think it comes back to we like to surround ourselves with people who just make ourselves feel better. And it's you might be the best in the room, but how great are you really? And I think it's like... Because there's so much upward social comparison, you might have been in the AFL system and then you look to you know, the Hearns, the Kennedys, and you might not think you're sort of value, valuable or you're not good because like you're constantly comparing up. But you don't really look down and think, fuck, I'm still fucking doing well. And I think that it's so related to this whole thing we're talking about because I don't think we're vulnerable enough to challenge ourselves and put ourselves in those those in those environments where we might not be the greatest and we're so obsessed I think with being like sometimes it's hard because this is such a hard field because we're talking about finding value in ourselves, but it, it can't just be by putting others down and because you talk about helping others it's if you bring others up around you it raises the standard instead of just putting others down and being above them and it's but like I said, how great are you actually really? Yeah, it's a great it's a great point. Like you shouldn't you'd never I feel, right, unless you're like Elon Musk or something, but 
You should never be the smartest in the room. Or you shouldn't be the best at what you do in that room. You want to be. Like, try, you probably want to be eventually. But especially, like, for us, I don't want to be in a room where I'm looked at as the smartest or that's going to be a pretty not very smart room. Like, <laughs> yeah, literally. But you don't want to be... I don't want to be in an environment or a room where I am seen as, like, the top person or whatever it might be because I know that I'm not learning, I'm not growing, and I'm not getting better. Where it's taken me so much time to understand that. And I was always like, and a lot of people are like, I want to be in this room, in that environment, because I feel comfortable, I feel warm. So now, nah, get uncomfortable, get cold, get miserable, and get more information. And, and I guess dive into that uncomfortable space because that's where you learn, that's where you grow, that's where you learn the lessons, the wisdom, I feel anyway. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely does. I lost my train of thought. I had a good point. You if you want the validation of on that, being like the smartest in the room, I think it's like you said, it's the, the comfortable yeah. side of things where people want to be in the smartest in the room because you just you feel that sense of validation from everyone else in the room of being that guy or saying the best thing or looking the best or being the best at the sport or whatever. It is. It's a validation from everyone else in the room that you are the best where it's like the sense of vulnerability of being able to put yourself in a position where you're not as knowledgeable and you can just, me and Egan have spoken about it, on both last couple of weeks where you can put your ego aside and be the guy to sit there and learn and listen and grow because like you said there's no growth in being the smartest in the room because it's almost like capping your potential there and it's just let that roof off and just flourish and surround yourself with new I don't know new cultures new people new experiences everything where you get every opportunity to learn or get every opportunity to get something new out of yourself because yeah, it is a it's an ego thing where put it aside for a minute and like even now I feel like out of us three I feel the least knowledgeable in this field and I me sitting here sometimes I feel like if I speak it may be like the wrong thing or I'm not I don't have knowledge behind it but then I know each time I'm sitting here I'm learning so much and communica- communication skills just general factual knowledge whatever it is but then if I take that to maybe another group of friends, there's times where I feel so knowledgeable and so smart and so wise in some things. But then it's I feel like you then you feel like you're providing the conversation or you're providing whatever wherever you may be, you're providing that sense of knowledge to people. So it's like I said, yeah, being here is that for me. Like I it's Egan's podcast, but I love coming here to grow. Like even mum said to me on the way here, it was like and then I, that was like my response. It's like just such a good opportunity for me to not only learn from yourself, Egan, or whoever it is coming in, but learn about myself, spending like when else do I spend an hour and a half just nonstop talking about my phone. Like it's just every everything about this situation is something that me 12 months ago would have just found so fucking uncomfortable. So it's such like a cool feeling now to be sitting in here you don't even think about the camera, you don't even think about the mic, but it's just like something that I just am growing from week by week, day by day, and it's just allowing me to do something new and just, I don't know, it's just cool, a cool feeling being in something where you know that you wouldn't have ever thing. Yeah, and when you went back to your friends and provided this sort of insight and value, it all stemmed from you being vulnerable in the first place to come here and learn from other people, which I don't think we're really good at but an interesting 
thing. I don't know why we have such an obsession with we see someone like on an external sense they're really like whether it's an AFL player in the business world and we think we just have to do everything they do. We have to embody everything they do. It's like why can't we be selective and learn specific things from everyone? Like people come onto the podcast, you've got your things that you're really good at and you can help people with that. But that doesn't mean they need to follow everything you do, but they can just take little bits of gold from everyone. And I think we have this tendency to feel like we need to do it's one way or the, like the like it has to be extreme we can't just be like oh this person is really good in this space I'll take some things from him or oh, he's really good at this I'll learn that off him and I think the more we can do that the better we're going to be because we're learning stuff from people who are really specialized and we're in a specialized economy especially in the mental health field everyone's so got their sort of specialties from whether it's their research or life experiences and I think the more we can it comes back to vulnerable too, being vulnerable to, with the fact that we don't know everything and being willing to learn off other people. I don't even need to say anything on that, man. It was that's so true. You want to I love be curious. Like swap judgment and comparison for curiosity. Ooh. Wonder what I can learn from that person, like you just said. Like me sitting here, it's, I've already talked about things about blue and greens. So what does it go into the manufacturing process? What does it cost to do this? Because what happens if I want to do some merch myself? Or like old smarty pants over here. Like absolute genius. So if I listen, like the way you talk, the way you structure, the, just your language pattern, no matter what situation you go into, you can always learn something. So I love everybody that point. Everybody has so much to offer. Yeah. And it's such an ignorant thing to think that you're better than everyone else because, again, I've spoken about it a few times, but like even – a 24-year-old or 22-year-old, whatever it is, they may you may look at them and they may not be successful from an external sense. They may not have wealth. They may not have many friends. Or they may, from an external sense, they may be the bottom of the barrel. But at the end of the day, they've still lived 24 years. They've probably gone through so much hardship, so much grief. And they everyone has a story. And then also everyone's spoken to, met hundreds of thousands of people. How, whatever the number is, but they've met, like your life, you've lived 24 years, you've probably met thousands, if not tens of thousands of people. You'd be surprised how many people you've spoken to in your life and that's just other knowledge which you've grafted off to other people. So it's like you never know when you need someone. Like you just used an example just then, you were talking about how you've learnt from me of manufacturers and how like the back end of things work there. Although you, it's much more easier for you, but someone who may not know me as well have that conversation with me they may never know when they might want to start up their own clothing brand or start up a merch and it's just value every single relationship and every single conversation you have because you never know when you might need that wealth of experience off of someone else because everybody has something to offer, big or small, whether it's tangible or intangible. I think there's so much importance and emphasis on being able to absorb every bit of wealth and wisdom off of everyone you meet and again, we speak about it so often but it's just putting yourself in those positions to meet people and like people aren't just going to come and meet you you got to reach out you're not just meeting them you got to be yeah. willing to learn because i think yeah. like you said Braden might have met these thousands of people but he might not have been in a headspace where he maximized what he could learn from these yeah. people and i think the more we put our ego aside for the moment when we meet people and think what we can learn from them just fucking extrapolate your growth in the last year i start things extrapolate my growth in the last six months and just five years like I've learned more in the past six months about myself and life than I have in the previous what 21 years and it's just because of being able to put my ego aside and being willing to learn and be vulnerable so that's where I see like 
the sort of the future for me. But I don't know how you guys sit with that because you guys are still relatively new into this field. It's like just imagine being willing to learn and grow. But it's also you've got to be consistent with it because like the more I learn, you don't want that entitlement and complacency like you've learned everything because like I don't want to lose my habits of reading books and, and stuff that got me, like we said, got you to there in the first place. Keep those good habits and which has already set you up on that trajectory. I don't know what you boys think because you guys are still relatively new in this field like me. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. You've got to keep the habits you've done like – for you, reading books, for me, it's reading books as well, learning knowledge, but it's just continuing the journey and reflecting, like going back, well, me, 18 months ago, like no idea about anything in this space, didn't know really who I was, and now I'm still developing on who I am and my knowledge, but I still have developed like ridiculous amounts in 18 months. So I was reflecting on that, acknowledging it, but like you said, just still continuing to Keep those habits and keep growing in this area. For sure. Anything, Harry? About like your growth in the past six months? Yeah, well, I feel like I do bang on about it a fair bit, but it's it is important as well. But I'm like much like you where six, twelve, eighteen months ago I was just a shadow of who I am now. And obviously mine's come from a variation of things which again, it's not things you maybe not wish upon people or things that you can't physically just get. Like I went on an island sucked away from reality for a month and that fast-tracked me well and truly but again it's the habits and routines which I think assure me of who I am the most and it's when I drift away from those is when I feel myself I feel like I let loose myself a little bit and I remember we like with the journaling that's always just the best thing for me to be able to pull myself back into line and now I've gone my new step and I've got a little whiteboard in my room and written like all my, I guess, just pointers of how I want to live my life. So I've got six dot points and then I've got on one side and I've got like a little cork board where I've pinned in notes of like my blues and greens values and how I want to approach that side of things because it is so easy to drift away and it doesn't take much, but it's so easy, like it's so easy to reform back into bad habits. So it's just maintaining those and keeping yourself in the line and which briefly was speaking about before but it's also about making your own name as well bit, pulling things to bits and pieces in a brand sense it might be you compare yourself to the big brands and you're like I want to be that but it's no I don't I want to be blues and greens and I want to make my own legacy and I want to be me like I want to be Harry Quayle and then it's in a footy sense it might be a good one which comes to mind is you get handed like a number and it's like the legend, this is number eight, it's the legendary whoever, what's the pressure of that? And it's like the best response is you want to be, you want to make it your own. You don't, Like I want to be remembered for Braden Ainsworth or you want to be remembered for who you are. And this comes to light because I was speaking, to, I, was on the, I had a phone call with, I don't know, Misfit Minds. I was speaking about Egan with it before, but they're like a prankster on YouTube and they're blowing up their mates from Perth and, I was talking to him on the phone and he was talking about how he like uses like the Nelk Boys as like a blueprint and he's like, but I also don't want to strictly follow them and I don't want to be the Nelk Boys. Like I want to be Misfit Minds and I want to build my own brand. And I think that's just like the epitome of what I was trying to say is it's well and good to compare yourself and strive for the top tier and the best in the business or whatever field it is, but create your own habits, create your own routines and inside yourself find what makes you and then chase that and build yourself. It doesn't have to be on a public sale, but it's just be yourself. 
sim- like to put it simply, just be yourself and build your own name. Love that. Yeah, that's great. I'm gonna have to wrap it up soon. We'll definitely have more episodes, but do I got the turntable segment? Still trying to keep this one going. So that's where you come up with a question for me. I pretty much have been talking back and forth, but do you have a question? Just for you? Yeah, yeah I do. What's your what's your definite? Actually, I'll probably structure it like this: is how do you ter- determine happiness? Yeah, good question, and I like that we're gonna touch on this. I went on a retreat. Over east, where it was like in the rainforest, no phone, three days, camping with these blokes, doing a lot of like training. And we talked, we reflected, we sat around fires, we talked about all this stuff. And one of the things I learned from happiness was there is someone framed as happiness is like contentment. And it's being like, it comes back to gratefulness, being like happy with what you have. But my interpretation of happiness is like the journey and how do I define happiness I think it's being content with the way you live I think we get so we love I've talked about before we love to create mountains for ourselves like you might be like if I play 100 AFL games um, I'll be happy because externally that's successful but I think you can you should be we should be looking at it like is my journey the what, the way I, I want it to be or is it optimal? Am I maximising? But it comes back to your values because it's going to look different for everyone. Everyone's happiness, everyone's thing is going to look different in their life. But for me, a general definition is, like I said, contentment. But what is contentment? You can keep defining the defin- like the words you use to define it, but I think it's just waking up each morning and you have that clarity around how you want to live, but it's so you just have that enjoyable feeling because it's a way of living that is so coherent with the person you want to be. Love that. Anything to add, Claire? I like that. The whole contentment thing, that's how I would probably describe it. It's like even being present with where you are in life. So I think the way I measure my happiness, and as of late, it's been like, I don't look back on my life with regret and I'm so content with how it's all shaped me to where I am and then I don't – I look forward to my future but I don't wish those days away because I feel like I am where I am and like each day is a new exciting opportunity. So I think that the biggest measurement of my happiness is like now, Monday is my most exciting day. I look forward to Monday more than any other day. And it's, as soon as I realised that, I was like, fuck, I'm in a pretty decent space. Because <laughs> yeah. I value Monday as my most exciting day because it's like the day where I reset and click back into what I want to be doing. And what I want to be doing is like waking up at 5am, going to the gym, eating my good food, going to like my support work job, working on my brand, just like simple shit that all just ticks over. And it's it's a simple measurement and it's you, it's not like a way where you can – there's not a, a journey, like a step-by-step model of how to get there. One day I just realised, I was like, fuck, I'm looking forward to Monday. It was like a Sunday and I was like, I can't wait to go to bed to wake up and be Monday. And I think that's a good measurement for me at least. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Definitely resonate with you there. All right, we'll wrap it up there because it's reaching the hour and 20, 20 mark and we'll definitely have more of these conversations. So there's plenty more to talk about because... I guess still only scratch the surface with a lot of things there. But thanks, Braden, for coming on and 
sharing some of your journey. Thanks for having me. I've loved it and yeah, hopefully we can continue these chats in the very near future. Yeah, remember again, I'm still a guest, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Harry. All <laughs> <laughs> right, hope you guys enjoyed that and I'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.